Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome uh, to Grace. Hello, everybody watching online. And uh, thanks for uh, taking part of your time uh, out of your holiday weekend to hang out with us a little bit. It's good to be together. We've been in a series here these last few weeks called Choose Your Own Adventure. And uh, in this series, we've just been talking about kind of alternative ways to approach life. And the idea has been this, that uh, every culture has a mainstream, right? So North America's got one, Africa, Brazil, everybody's got a mainstream. And the mainstream is usually what kind of defines us and moves us through that culture. So those cultural norms just kind of be what, what we live by. We, we do this, then we do that, then we do this. And we kind of find out what everybody's thinking and that forms our own thinking and tends to be what defines our lives. And we've said this is what happens when we become followers of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that our culture changes because our citizenship changes. So instead of being defined by what's around us, by our environment, by our cultural norms, now as a follower of Christ, what I do is I look into the scriptures and I find out the values of the kingdom of God. Uh, what does God want? What does he desire? What does he, how does he think? How does he act? How does he live, right? And those values and priorities now become the things that drive me and move me forward. So I kind of come out of my culture or come above my culture <clears throat> and the things of God drive me, move me and define me as I move forward. And so we've been saying that that is a wonderful thing because as we follow God and as we understand his art and as we understand his mind, we wind up discovering the desires of our own heart, the life we really want, the things that are really deep and meaningful, the things that really cause significance are found down the paths that God lays out for us. And, it, and through our salvation and through the word of God, through the leading of the Holy Spirit and through the renewing of our mind, we're able to understand those pathways and engage those things that God wants to give to us and lead us through. So we said that's, that boils down to a lot of choice and we get to choose our adventure. We can kind of go along to get along. Sometimes that stuff's benign. Sometimes it's a better, best kind of idea. Sometimes it's a right, wrong issue but we don't simply have to be defined by our backgrounds or by our norms. We now are defined by who Christ is and what he's calling us to. So over the last few weeks as we've gone through this series, uh, we've been talking about those choices, things that we can choose, things that we can lock into, ways that we can live differently, and the outcomes that we can have from that, the, the blessings, you might say, that God wants to give us. So I encourage you, if you haven't been able to, to be around, to go out online, go to our website, graceohio.org, and uh, watch those or listen to them. You can hit it through the app if you want, just hit the media tab, and you can catch up on all those conversations. This weekend, as we uh, finish up these conversations, I want to talk about kind of one last choice that we can make. And I wanna kind of make a case for that choice, how this choice is good, how it can benefit us. And then I wanna show you some habits that you can lock into your life that help this choice become a reality as you, uh, as you pursue God in these ways. So this weekend, we're gonna talk about this idea. We're gonna talk about the idea of choosing godly character, choosing to be a person of character or choosing godly character I want to talk to you about why that's a, a valuable thing and then how to get your head around it a little bit. So this, this conversation is going to hit you a couple ways. If you're a follower of Christ, 
The idea of godly character is something that you need to lock into. And, and when God uh, lays out kind of this way of living, this way of operating, this way of thinking, uh, he's inviting you and telling you, hey, let's lock into this because this is gonna mark you as a person. This is gonna identify you as part of the kingdom of God. This is a better way to live and it's the way that I want you to live. So if you're, if you're a Christ follower, uh, these are things that we want to go after and, and lock into and bring into our lives, okay? And I'll talk to you more about kind of what that is here in a second. If you're not a Christ follower this weekend, uh, this is the way that you would approach this. At a minimum, you would look at what we're gonna talk about and say, man, if I lock into those lives, it's gonna set me out, out from the pack. Uh, it's a better way to live. It's kind of a, a more valuable way to live and it will distinguish me from, from the cultural norms, from how everybody else thinks and what they do. So if you're not a Christ follower, it's gonna benefit you. That's a minimum. At a maximum, what it will do is this. The, one of the reasons God wants us to have godly character is because it reflects his heart and mind. So as you see godly character, even if you're not a Christ follower yet, as you see it and experience it, it will help you to understand God and what he's like and what he desires and what he wants for you and the people around you, okay? So that's kind of on a maximum level. On a minimum level, it's just gonna make you a better leader, better parent, better friend, all those kind of things, right? Now, if you're a Christ follower, it's, it's a different kind of set of standards for you, where this is something that God wants, he desires, it's to mark us, it's to be a hallmark of who we are, and it, it's uh, something we wanna lock into and pursue really heavily. So godly character. What is godly character? Let me just kind of explain it kind of in... Uh, in ways that make sense. Godly character is, is this. Uh, as, a, as a Christ follower, God is calling us to act like God, love like God, be motivated like God, and think like God. Okay, so this is the way it kind of works. When I accept Christ as my Savior, the Bible says that a bunch of things happen to me. One of them is that the Holy Spirit of God comes in, and lives in my heart, is how we would say it. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is it helps me to understand God's word and it empowers me. He empowers me to live the way that God wants me to live. God gives me everything that I need to, to live for him, right, and to become like him. So as a Christ follower, that spiritual work is happening within me and it, it, it means in part this. When I look at the Bible, the Bible reveals the heart and the mind of God. The Bible's not an instruction manual. It's not a theology book. It's a, it's a glimpse into God's heart and God's mind. When I look in the Bible, I see the heart and mind of God. I can look and say, wow, God is like this. For instance, God is a truthful God. Uh, God is a God of love. God is a God of compassion. Uh, God is a God of integrity. God, God is a God of principle, like all those kind of things. Like I would look at the, those examples in the scripture, whether it's through the, the, the Bible heroes, through Jesus himself, through the writings of the apostles, and I can look at those things and I can think this. Wow, if Jesus acted like this, and I have the salvation of Christ, and I have the Holy Spirit of God that empowers me to change my mind and change my life, he changes me, then I can import that action into my life as well. I can act like Jesus. If Jesus did crazy stuff like love his enemy, 
I, I also, God can empower me to love my enemy, right? And suddenly, my life starts to function like Jesus' life. Uh, my mind is renewed, the Bible says, so I can start to think the way that God wants me to think. So uh, God does a lot of backwards math, right? He does a lot of backwards math. So for instance, God would count a trial as a joy, because he would look and say, out of this trial, uh, I'm able to, uh, to accomplish these wonderful things. Through my suffering and death on the cross, I'm able to provide life. So God is gonna look at things backwards. Well, now as a follower of Jesus Christ with the mind of Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the word of God, I can look at things backwards like God does. I can see negatives as positives. I can see uh, things as eternal in nature, not just temporal in nature. I can think differently. And as I import kind of that thinking and I receive that from God and I download it kind of into practical ways in my life, my life starts to look like God's life. I think like God. I'm motivated like God. I act like God would want me to act. And all of that accumulates into what we might call godly character, right? My life is built off of something different my life is built off of an integrity. My life is built off of a foundation. My life is built off of a truthfulness. And in having godly character, my life will be set apart. I will show up differently in the world around me. Okay, so that's the idea of godly character. And, and I wanna make a case for that. Now, here's where these two things come together. The mainstream of our culture is not defined by godly character right now. Okay, and I'm not even trying to harp on the culture, I'm just kind of diagnosing it, that's it, okay? So we're, godly character is not something that's celebrated in our culture right now. So oftentimes if you have a person who is pursuing thinking and acting and loving and being motivated like Jesus, that's viewed negatively in our, in our culture, right? So you're kind of like, if you're real committed to like purity, you're thought of as a prude, you're not thought of as a hero. How old are you and you're still a virgin, right? That, that kind of thing, you're almost mocked for it. If you do things like love your enemy instead of like hold up a sign that says blow them up, blow them up, right? You're, you're, you're viewed as like weak and like foolish, right? And yet that would be something that would reflect godly character. Uh, it, it, you might be labeled even as closed-minded, hard-hearted, even bigoted if you stand on principle. Like the Bible teaches this and I just don't wanna move off of it. Well, that's such a ridiculous thing. So godly character is not embraced in our culture right now. Right now, the mainstream of our culture it is more reflective of what I've called the, the, the pirate life, right? Uh, the pirate life is this idea that I do what I want. I do what I want and I kind of get away with what I can get away with and I live for me and I live for the sea and maybe, maybe you have a wooden leg, maybe you don't, right? But it, it's, that, it's that rebellious, I'm hyper independent, I take from the rich, I give to the poor, I do what I want, nobody can tell me what to do. It's the, it's the pirate life and that is the life that's really celebrated in our culture right now, okay? So when we look at like a celebrity for instance, and we'll watch a celebrity, and they're married, and they, um, they're married to this, this beautiful woman, and they have an affair on her with three other beautiful women 
our culture would look and say, can you believe that guy got to sleep with all those women? Wow, that's incredible. Instead of looking and saying, that's morally disgusting and he totally humiliated his wife on television. Uh, we would look at a politician and we, can, we would say, can you believe how they like slipped and slide off of that position and they flip-flop four times and they lied about it seven times and they looked in the camera and told us one thing and did it. they're an amazing politician instead of looking and saying that's completely offensive that you like looked at me and lied at me like we our culture right now would be like caught up in the cover-up and that you got away with it instead of deeply offended that you have absolutely no character at all right it's the pirate life and so we would kind of celebrate that and, and we would kind of look at it and we would kind of marvel at it we would roll our eyes on it we would see an advertisement on tv and know that that thing can't do what they just said it was going to do like we know we're being lied to but instead of like being offended or having nothing to do with it we would kind of marvel at the slickness of what they got away with it it's the it's the the pirate life now like I said, I'm not, I'm not really harping on it. I'm just diagnosing it, okay? This is what happens. I and you, be honest, you're in church. I and you are attracted to the pirate life personally. Like the idea like that I can get away with something, I love that idea. I've lived a lot of my life that way. I, I can kind of work the edges. The, the idea like, man, that guy just kind of does what he wants, like, that idea is personally attractive. That man, that, that guy, can he can turn the truth six ways to Tuesday. He's a good liar. His parents never really know what's going on. It's incredible what they get away with. That's personally attractive to me, okay? For me, this is what happens, though. When that pirate life affects me, it's painful and destructive, Right? So if Heidi, if my wife acted the way that that celebrity did, it would destroy me and my family personally. If my investment banker acted the way that politician did, it would ruin me financially. If, if my parents lied to me the way that I lied to them, it would destroy the foundations of my childhood. See what I mean? So it's kind of appealing to look at it and say, ah, oh, well, that's kind of cool. But when, I, when it actually shows up in my life, that politician is slick and they represent the, the thing I want them to represent and I cheer for them even though that they're a big hypocrite. But then when they send my son to war, and I know better than to trust them because I don't trust anything they say. Now that's a completely different conversation. So the pirate life is great as long as I'm not the one being pirated, right? And so as a follower of Christ then, Jesus would come to us and he would interact with his people and he would say, wait a minute, my people that are called by my name are to be distinguished very differently. Like this is not how my people function. My people, children of light, children of truth, people that reflect me, right? 
and it needs to show up in a, in a different way. So choosing godly character, because we can say, listen, my, my dad was a jerk, my mom was nuts, like I, I wasn't raised in any of this stuff, I was raised by pirates on the ship, right? And God would come and say, right, I've given you a new mind, a new heart, a new set of truth, you're a new citizen, you can engage this in a different way and I'll help you do it. I'll empower you to, to do that, okay? So let me, let me do this. Let me, we're gonna kind of move around the Bible a lot this weekend. The Bible says this, the Bible, uh, and, and Timothy says, the Bible is useful to correct us, uh, train us, rebuke us, and, and to teach us to, and to train us in righteousness. So this, this conversation, we're gonna use the Bible to train us in righteousness. We're gonna, we're gonna see and understand what it means to be a person of godly character. And I'm just gonna move around the Bible and show you that, okay? So the first thing I wanna do is I wanna, I wanna make an argument for the benefits of godly character just so we can keep getting our head around it a little bit, okay? Because this is what, this is what the Bible says. In Isaiah chapter five, verse 20, the Bible says this. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitterness for sweet and sweet for bitter. God says, listen, no, 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 no. Woe, and that word woe, that's the same word that God often uses right before he announces a judgment. He's like, listen, that is a destructive path that is going to burn down. You are going to look at me and give an account for that. This is not the way that we function because when we do, we destroy each other. It's fun to watch in a movie. The idea of being a rebel without a cause is kind of a, a fun idea. But man, when we bring that into our relationships and into our homes and into our lives, all we do is burn each other down. So woe when we f uh, flip all of that over and make it a lifestyle, okay? So what are the benefits of it? A guy named John MacArthur said this. He said, according to scripture, virtually everything that truly qualifies a person for leadership is directly related to character. It's not about style, status, personal charisma, clout, or worldly measurements of success. Integrity is the main issue that makes the difference between a good leader and a bad one. And godly character is how I would kind of term all of that. It's the foundation of so much of our relationships and how we interact with each other, okay? Let me give you three benefits of godly character and then I'll tell you how to get a hold of it, okay? Here's the first one. The reason why godly character is so beneficial, first of all, it's this. Godly character stabilizes your life. It stabilizes your life. Proverbs chapter 10, verse nine. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. Proverbs 11:3. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Listen, this is one of the ways that you might self-diagnose. When you have godly character, your life is stabilized because your life is consistent. If your life is in a constant state of chaos, one of the questions you might say is, what's the constant in that? Uh, my friendships are always broken down. Somebody's always upset with me. I'm always looking for a new job. I'm always losing my job. 
My, my roommate never trusts me. My parents never believe me. What, if your life is in a constant state of chaos, one of the things you might look at is this. You, instead of looking and saying, mom and dad are dumb, my roommate's dumb, my boss is dumb, the cop is dumb, da, 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 da. maybe there's a, a dumb person and it's not everybody else. And maybe the constant in the relationship is you. It's just a question to ask yourself. And maybe what's missing is your character. And you have trained everyone not to believe you. And that's the problem. And that's why life is in chaos. Because when you walk in integrity, you walk securely. When you don't, when you walk in a crooked path, your lies will always come to the surface. They will be found out. When you are upright, you have a path, you have a plan, it's guided. When you are unfaithful, your duplicity is going to destroy you. That's what the Bible says. And your life will be unstable. When you have to remember who you lied to, when you're trying to figure out, like, I made this deal with that guy and that deal with this guy, and I think I owe this one money and... It's always going to come to the surface, and every time it comes to the surface, your life is going to be burned down again, okay? And guys, you know this. You see it. You ever notice this? The affair always comes out. You ever notice that? It always comes out. The truth always surfaces. The emails are always recovered. It always works that way. And every time you, that happens, your life is burned to the ground. The boss always finds out that your friend was clocking in for you. You don't ever get away with that for a lifetime. But when you live with integrity, it stabilizes your life. Here's the second benefit of living with godly character. Godly character protects those you love. It protects those you love. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 7 the wicked are overthrown and no more, but the house of the righteous will stand. Proverbs again, chapter 20, verse 7. That the just man walks in his integrity, his children are blessed after him. You want to protect the people that you love? Listen, mom, dad, dad, listen. More than the right school district, more than lots of money in the bank, more than your kids getting to take whatever vacation that you think they want to take. If you want to bless your children, if you want to give them a foundation, if you want to give them the brightest possible future, mom and dad, worry less about the money and less about the education and give them your character. Because when your children can depend on your character, that will actually give them the foundation for life. And you see this. How many like TV celebrity biographies do we have to watch of the rich kid who had everything that totally meddled their life down and like they're in prison, right? It's, it, it is reality television. Like that's the whole premise of reality television, right? How many friends do you know like my life was, I thought I had a great life and then I became an adult and my dad's secrets came out. My mom's secrets came out. And now this person who had everything, even they're like destroyed because their foundation was destroyed. Godly character protects, right? A, a, a trusted friend, 
a friend that does not betray me, a friend that I, you know, I... I thought we were friends, and then I, I read that tweet, and I understood the encryption behind it. I found out about the gossip. I, I found out you, were, you, you hooked up with my boyfriend. That's definitely, a trusted friend is so much more valuable than all these kind of things. A trusted leader, right? I, I trusted... I, I, I trusted my boss, I worked hard, I helped to build the company, and then I found out he was skimming. Uh, the, the, we don't even have to talk about the politicians. How many of you here, you don't have to raise your hand, how many of you here have been hurt by the church because you found out that your pastor or a leader in the church was a liar and they, they presented themselves this way, but then the truth comes out because it always... See, godly character protects those that we love. Here's the last thing. Godly character allows you to lead. It allows you to lead. This is what God said in Titus chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. This is part of the instruction that Paul is giving. He's saying, listen, let your life, let it, let it stand up under attack so that when people say something, they accuse you. It's almost ridiculous what they're saying because your character is so high. If you wanna lead, if you wanna be a leader at work, if you, want to be a, 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 if you want to lead the team, if you want to coach the team, if you want to lead the life group, if you want to lead in the church, if you want to lead your family, I wrote this in my notes, ready? I, I said this, the currency of leadership is trust. The currency of leadership is trust. You should probably get a tattoo of that. The currency of leadership is trust. And if you want to lead people, if you want to help people, if you want to influence people, they have to be able to trust you. And godly character allows you to do that. Okay, so here's God. Why is this a big deal to God? You better stop it and quit smoking or drinking and chewing it. That's not the mind of God. The, 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 the mind of God is this. I love you. And I love the people that I put into your life. And so I want to show you how to express my love to them, right? I, I, want, I want to show you that, that when you live in these ways, you protect those people and even yourself. I, I want to show you that when you live in these ways, you can take those people somewhere, right? So God's calling us this, not, not because he's like, get your act together. He's calling us this way because he's showing you, yeah, this is how I love you. I'm an unchanging God. You can depend on me. You can build your life around me. I won't leave you or forsake you. And then he's saying, let me, let me empower this and create this and bring this about in your life. And then you can love other people this way too. And it will give you, ultimately, what you really want. Now, if you want to live the pirate life, you can do it. God probably won't strike you with a bolt of lightning. Maybe a transfer to Michigan. I don't know. But, right? But your life's probably not going to fall apart. But it's probably not going to amount to much. Or there's another way, right? And it's built around character. 
okay? So that's, that's the argument, and that's the choice, and that's the vision, and that's the thing. How do you do it? All right, I'm going to give you some things. These are not complicated things. This is not, you're not going to walk out of here scratching your head, right? These are, these are simple things, but they're very difficult at times to lock into, and here's the thing. If you walk out of here and you're like, I'm going to do that, you're going to fail. If you walk out of here and you say, I'm going to ask God to help me become that, well, then you're going to have a lot of success. These are things that God empowers in us, all right? He gives us everything that we need. He empowers us. Things. So this isn't like, oh, this time I mean it, right? No, that's never going to work. But if you look and say, God, I want to give myself to you and import these things into my life, make me into this person, now we're rolling on the right path, okay? So these are habits or ways that we import or build godly character in our lives, not complicated, but have life-changing effects. Here's the first one. If you want to live a life of godly character, the first, first principle is this, always tell the truth. Always tell the truth. John 4 uh, John 8, 44, Jesus is talking to some hypocrites and he says this, you belong to the devil and you want to carry out the, uh, your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding the truth for there is no truth in him. When he lies, when the devil lies, he speaks his native language for he is a liar and the father of lies. Listen, when you tell a lie, even a white, little white lie, when you tell a lie, the Bible says that out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. So when you tell a lie, you are speaking the language of the devil. So at that moment, who is your heart aligned with? Because God is a God of truth. And when I tell a lie, I am not reflecting truth. I am very much doing the exact opposite. So my lies reveal the position of my heart and it's the devil who is the father of lies. It is his native language to do it. Listen, here's a little principle for you. If you wanna be a person who builds godly character, who loves people, who protects people, all those kind of things, make it a habit. Ask God to help you. Make it a habit to just tell the truth and speak the truth and let that be what comes out of your mouth. Now listen, sometimes the truth is easy. Sometimes the truth is difficult. Do you like my haircut? Um, right? I'm telling you, boys, look her in the eye and tell her you don't. She'll get over it, hair grows. That's the beauty of it. And there's always a weave, right? So you can, <laughs> right? Tell her the truth, even in the little things. Tell the truth. Do it with gentleness, respect, don't be a jerk. Tell the truth about things. Now, this is what happens. The first time, listen to me, the first time you lie to her, the thing you lied about will pass quickly. The fact that you lied will mark your relationship. The first time you lie to your parents, teenagers, listen to me. The thing you lied about, did you do your homework? I don't know, there was a zombie apocalypse and it like ate my face and I couldn't turn. Right? The fact that you, first of all, it's gonna come out, 
right? They're not as, nearly as dumb as you think they are, right? It's amazing. The older you get, the smarter they get. That it's going to come out. The thing you lied about will go away quickly. The fact that you're a liar, and this is what a lie does. It, it poisons the relationship. Jesus told the truth, and he told the truth when it was easy. You know, I'm the light of the world. That's really good news. He told the truth when it was hard. You are the brood of vipers. <laughs> Whitewashed tombs. Nobody likes to hear that one, right? But he told the truth, and this is, this is what happens. When I look at Christ, because he told the truth, I know that when he speaks to me, so to say, I'm hearing the truth. It's not the issue that you lied about, it's the fact that you did. And when you are a liar, even if someone is willing to forgive you for it, what happens is this, you put a burden on them that for the rest of your relationship with them, they have to work to overcome their lack of trust for you. Now, this, the antidote for this is simple. Don't lie. Tell the truth, right? And, and get, get it over. Even when you mess up, listen, leader, boss, coach, pastor, dad, mom, when you mess up, admit it. And when you do that, what happens is you will build credibility. I, listen, I thought this was going to work. It didn't work. It cost all kinds of money. Uh, it was my fault, and uh, I, I didn't manage it right. I made this bad decision, and it all blew up in my face. That's going to build credibility with the people around you, not cost you credibility. Just own it. Be done. And the issue will go away relatively quickly. The fact that you are a liar will taint and distort those relationships in an indefinite way. So I import godly character by just telling the truth, just saying it, even if it's a little painful, right? Just saying it and letting that be what comes out of my mouth. Here's the second thing. Second way to import godly character, to build character with people around you, is to keep your commitments, Keep your commitments. Matthew 5, 37, Jesus is just talking about being clear, giving clarity in your heart in this context. And what he says is, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Just keep your commitments. When you make a commitment, keep a commitment. I'll never forget years ago, this is probably 15 years ago now, Heidi and I were doing some work on our house. And my friend, uh, I asked my friend to, um, he owns a construction company, I asked him to come out and do a big project at my house. He came out and was, uh, we, he looked at it, gave me a bid, and Heidi and I could afford the bid, and so we said, go ahead and do it. And so he got into the job, and, and he was a day or two into the job, and he, he came to me, he said, Jeff, he goes, I underbid this job. Like, I underbid this job, and it, it's going to cost me a lot more to do it. And I looked at him, I said, bro, uh, we got like an issue, because you're, you're, he told me the real number. I was like, if I would have known the real number, I wouldn't have had you do it. Like, I can't afford the real number. And I'll never forget my friend. He looked at me and he said, you know what? Quote, I gave you my word. We'll figure out how to do it. Right? Now, I love my friend. And I looked back at him. I don't have any money. But I said, listen, I, I like appreciate your honesty and the bind you're in. I tell you what, 
what if Heidi and I, and I think we had a, a child or two that could function at that time. I said, I said, what if we do labor with you? And what if we work this out? And so he kept his commitment and Heidi and I just wanting to love our friend, we jumped in and offered our labor with it and, and we got the project done. I have never forgotten the fact that he made a commitment, he kept it. It cost him, it cost him. But he gave me his word, he kept his word, and it's been a great example to me. Guys, listen, when you commit to something, do it. Even if it becomes inconvenient, even if a better option comes up, right? Simply keeping your commitment. What happens is people trust. You become safe, you become reliable. By the way, when you keep your commitment to someone, what happens is when they make a commitment to you, they'll keep their commitment to you, right? It, that's what God does, and all of a sudden, all these relationships start working well because we're living with each other in a godly way. Here's the third thing. If you wanna import godly character building in your life, stop living on the edges. Stop living on the edges. Philippians chapter two. Again, the context here, I'm just using one of the verses, but the whole context is reflecting the heart of Christ, being like Christ, imitating Christ, literally is the, is the, the, the words in the passage. So this is what the writer says. He says, so that you prove yourself to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. The concept of being above reproach is this one. The concept of being above reproach is this, that, that it's beyond like I don't lie, I don't steal, I don't cheat, I don't. It's this idea, not only do I not do those things, I move as far away from those things as possible. So I'm not, I'm not just like kinda like the, 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 the good guy that gets along. I move away from it and I'm, my, I'm known for my character. I'm not gonna just make the choice that kind of gets me out of trouble. I'm gonna make the choice that kind of distinctly marks me as a person who doesn't make that choice. And that's the idea of being above reproach. I live away from the shadows and I kind of live in the middle of, of, the, of the spotlight where God would want me to be. So as a, as a person of God, a person of God is known for being a truth teller. A person of God is known for their, their faithfulness, their commitments. And a person of God is known for being above reproach. There's not even a question mark about their character. So a person of God is a person who does not deal with half-truths, right? I kinda let my mom and dad know what I was sorta doing this weekend. Uh, when, you're, when you're in sales, uh, a person of God does not do exaggerations, right? The, the software, it not only will it do all this kind of stuff, but it'll like make your bed and, and shave your face in the morning, right? The, the person of God is not gonna exaggerate. They're not gonna blow themselves up. They're not gonna make themselves. A person of God isn't gonna deal in the gray areas of business. Well, you know, we did talk about this while we were playing golf so I can write the event off. Person of God, you might be able to get away with that and everybody does it, but a person of God is, wants to be above reproach. They're not even close to that 
line, right? The limits of morality. A person of God isn't looking for the edge. What is pornography anyway? A person of God isn't looking for the edge. A person of God is looking to be directly aligned with God. Uh, the culturally acceptable sins. A person of godly character is, is getting away from it. Culturally acceptable sins are sins like gossip, flirtation, materialism, like stuff we all kind of do and everybody kind of winks and nods at, right? Getting buzzed, I didn't get drunk, I just got a little buzzed, right? That, that kind of stuff. person of God isn't even remotely around those things because they want to be above reproach in all areas, right? Now, when I live like this, what Philippians say, when I live like that, I wind up shining like a light in the middle of a crooked and perverse generation. I stick out like a sore thumb. See how that works? All right, here's the next one. If you want to import godly character, you have to allow people to confront you. You got to allow people to confront you. Listen, guys, in our, in our culture right now, this, this, is, this is killing us. <clears throat> in our culture right now, this overly sensitive offensiveness is not a part of the people of God. Where if you say anything to me, instead of considering what you have to say, I'm offended that you said it. That's a pirate life. You know, you probably shouldn't steal from that warship, pirate. Probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> Who are you to tell me what stealing is? Because the man, come on. That is a defense mechanism. That is a hard-heartedness. That is a closed mind. That is not the people of God. The Proverbs says that, that the people of God, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. The people of God speak into each other's lives. Hey, man, I've noticed, like, you really like hanging out with that, with that woman that's not your wife. Like, I've noticed, like, you kind of go out of your way to talk to her. <laughs> Who are you to accuse me of? And then what happens is we'll throw accusations back. Listen, when you were in high school, you flirted with that one girl. It, knock it off. Somebody confronts you like that, man, thanks, bro. I, you know what? I think you're right. Maybe they're right, maybe they're not totally, maybe they're right in part. Maybe it's just tainting my reputation and I need to move away from it so that I'm above reproach. Dude, I notice when we go out, you know, you get that second glass of wine in you and your personality starts to change. I'm not drunk. I did the breathalyzer on my phone, I'm legal. It's not the point. The, The point is that so if I'm going to be a person of godly character, I have to allow people to refine that character in me. And sometimes it's really small things. Sometimes it's big things. Dude, you take that promotion, you're not going to be at home. You know, I, dude, I, I know you don't tithe and you just bought that boat. And I have to allow people to speak into my life. And the people of God are supposed to do that with respect, with gentleness, with right motive, all that kind of stuff. But if I want to develop godly character, I gotta let people, uh, other godly people speak those things in my life, right? Here's the last one. Here it is, ready? If I wanna develop godly character, 
I need to remember, this is if you're a Christ follower. Now, if you're not a Christ follower, you're off the hook on this one. If you're a Christ follower, you need to remember that you represent the character of God with your own character. You represent the character of God with your own character. Paul was uh, correcting some hypocritical people in Romans chapter 2, verse 24, and he says this, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. You're the, you're the one that says you're a Christian, goes to church, has a Christian bumper sticker, all that kind of stuff. You do all those kind of things, and everybody knows not to trust you. You're the one that owns the business, you got the little fish on your window, and everybody knows you're the one that doesn't. Everybody knows, like you will pull the Jesus card out as a sales pitch, and everybody knows how you act later on at the, and the name of God is being blasphemed because of you. I have to remember that the character of God is seen in my character. I reflect it. I'm an ambassador of Jesus Christ as if Christ were making his appeal through me. I am the representation of Christ. And so how I allow God to develop character in my life directly reflects his heart and his mind. This week, uh, my friends uh, buried their their 12-year-old son and uh, he died of cancer. Carson Higgins is his name. John and Debbie, his mom and dad. And I just kind of walked with them through this journey. And one of the things that really strikes me about John and Debbie and their, uh, their they, have, they had five boys. They have four that are living. Their four sons that are living. And Carson was their, their joy and their trust through this trial. It's fascinating to me that they're, they're going through the nightmare, right? Everybody who's a, a parent just groaned at the idea of losing a child. That's the nightmare. And as they go through this nightmare, as you interact with them, you would, you would think of their faith. You would think of their joy. You would think of their trust in Christ you would think of their desire to give glory to God. You would... Now, the, the mainstream would say this, God exists to make my life go the way that I want it to go. And God, you blew it. Right? Where, where's our miracle? Where's our story? Where's our... We lost our kid, and we're faithful people, and I can't believe you blew it. That's, that's the way that we tend to think. So here's the family, and, and they're, they're outside of that. They're, they're completely different, and, and their character, their faith, their trust, they're reflecting God. See, they believe God loved them before, and they believe God loves them now. They trusted God before, they trusted God Now, they had security in Christ before, they have security in Christ now. The trial revealed the character, and the character shines like a bright light among a crooked and depraved generation. They stick out like a sore thumb. 
It's fascinating to me. It's challenging to me, frankly. Right? It makes a complete difference. And they're not walking around protesting anybody, doing it. They're just simply being who God has created them to be and empowered them to be. That's all they're doing. God is doing this work in them. See? And it's literally affecting people all over the world. By the way, their son Carson was like this. A little boy that lost his life. He, he, he didn't complain. He wasn't bitter. He wasn't angry. If you talk to him, he had a deep love for Christ, deep trust of Christ. That was his life. And so when you think about his life, you don't, you don't think about a, a sick little kid. When you think about it, his life, you, you, you're kind of blown away by it. Man, how, where did this kid get his faith from? Right? Well, he, he allowed God to give him everything he needed for life and righteousness. He allowed God to produce this in him. He allowed that character that was imported from Christ to be exported to the people around him. It's life-changing. You want to be a beacon of light? A person of character because everybody's working the angles. Now, you want to be a beacon of light? Do something as basic as tell the truth. Because when, when I lie, I've aligned myself with, with the evil one. I don't set out to do that. I just do, right? And, and this, this is where this becomes such a big deal. And I want you to hear this, guys. It, this is not God looking and saying, you better get your act together or you're gonna get grounded. This is God looking and saying, listen, do you, do you love me? Do, do you love the people around? Do you love your neighbors, yourself? Well, the, this is how a loving relationship functions. This is how, and this is so important. He doesn't look and say, you better go knock it off, he looks and says, you know what? I'll help you with this. I'll help you with it. We, we have a, a good father, a heavenly father. He's not walking around with a paddle in his hand. He's looking and saying, this is what I want. This is what you need. This is my heart, and I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you salvation. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you example and truth and direction. I'm going to give you a helper named the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you other believers, the church, so we can refine each other. I'm going to, I'm going to remind you when, when you when you got off the mark. I'm going to empower you to, to stay on it. I'm with you every step of the way. Now, at that point, we have to decide a little bit. Am I, am I going to engage everything that God wants to give me? Or am I just going to live the way that I live? Because he probably won't hit you with a bolt of lightning. Right? But we get to choose, and we, we choose our adventure. And the, the adventure that has godly character as a, as a center point of it is rich and meaningful. And when life crashes in like it did for my friends, that, that will withstand that storm.
And that's what the people around us need. It's what we need. It's what we want. And it's how we express even love for them. And we reflect God's love for us, okay? All right. Let's do this. Let's, uh, let's take a minute and think and pray. Here's my, here's my guess. My guess is that many of us struggle with the pirate life, right? It's just the way we're raised. It don't, it's just the way it is, okay? Some of us struggle with the pirate life, life because we were raised by pirates, and we were raised on the pirate ship in the pirate town, and it's just how we were taught to function, right? So for you, you, you might hear this stuff, and you'd be like, I never knew this was a big deal, but now I do. And I never knew God, I thought God would just like knock it off. I didn't know he was like wanting to help me with it, but he does. So your prayer and your interaction with God may be that, like God, I, I recognize I want this now. Guide me, shape me, change me, like I'm, I'm in, I just didn't know. Some of us live the pirate life because we're really committed to being pirates. And the Bible calls that rebellion. I'm just going to live this way. I had great parents. They loved Jesus. I was raised in the church. I was raised in the word of God. I really got no reason to be what I am except this is what I'm going to be. And to that, God would look and say, careful, I oppose the proud. I give grace to the humble. Like you and I, we don't do this. I love you enough that I will stand against it. And so our interaction with God needs to be one of repentance. I'm turning, I'm walking away from God. Repent means turn around. I'm just gonna turn around, I'm gonna walk to God. That's enough. I confess my sins. I bring the fruitless deeds of darkness into the light. I confess my sins to the people I'm sinning against, right? And I, I make a break and I start anew. I'm gonna become, I want to be a person of godly character and I wanna change, Okay. Wherever you're at on that spectrum, you have a good father who loves you and wants to help you. He's not out to get you. He would have got you. He's out to love you. So receive that. Allow him to change you. Allow him to empower you and choose to journey with him, okay? All right, why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes and let's just be still for a few minutes. Band's gonna take us into a little bit of time of worship and thought. I encourage you to pray and think and just ask God to, to press into your heart. Jesus, we love you. Change us, Holy Spirit, convict us, guide us, help us even now. And uh, Lord, order these things in our hearts and our minds. Show us where our character lacks, where we're not reflecting you well, and then empower and change and help us, Lord, to align with you anew. In these few moments, God, help us in those ways.